0: The phrase a mile wide and an inch deep. Anybody heard that phrase? It's not exactly a compliment. It's, uh, it says that you're so shallow that you're, you're wide but you're shallow and you, you don't really have the expertise to know what you're talking about. Uh, that, was, that was coined in 1889 with an American. <laughs> <China>. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. <laughs> that kind of scared me. So. <laughs> wow, I knew I was clogged up, but I didn't think I made that much noise when I talked. Uh, 1889, American journalist uh, Edgar Nye introduced the phrase "a mile wide and an inch deep." He was referring to a river found in Missouri called the Platte River. The Platte River was a very important watershed in in the Missouri area. That uh, that conducted huge amounts of water but the problem was it wasn't navigable because it was so shallow and he said in some places that it was an inch uh, a a mile wide but only an inch deep and it couldn't allow ships to pass through and it kind of caught on uh, from that that uh, saying there and uh, so if that phrase was born and it's not meant as a compliment it quickly began to be used in academia and politics and other fields to describe people whose knowledge was superficial they had a superficial knowledge of things but they didn't go very deep into it and so they could carry on kind of a conversation about it but the minute it got into technical things they fell apart and couldn't carry on the conversation we're going to talk about spiritual growth this morning because I'm seeing in the church that there are a lot of people in the church today not necessarily here but other places but even across the the whole church world where people's knowledge of the word is an, a mile wide, but an inch deep. It doesn't go very deep. It doesn't go very far. And the more, it's, it's led to a, to a term called biblical illiteracy. How many of you have heard of that? Biblical illiteracy. And that's where people come to church, but they really don't know the Bible. I remember Garrison Keeler, the, the, um, the storyteller on, on public radio, Uh, from Lake Wobegon and that kind of stuff. Uh, He was saying that, uh, he was asked a question on an interview about how his storytelling had changed over the years. And he said, I have to go into a lot more detail when I talk about biblical things. It used to be that I could use a phrase when I was telling a story, it was just like the days of Noah. Now probably some of you know exactly what we mean when we say that. The Bible says that in the days of Noah there was drinking and revelry and stuff going on. They had forgotten about God and God sent the flood. But he said, nowadays I have to explain what I mean by that because so few people have knowledge of biblical stories and what's going on in the, in the Bible. That's true today and it's becoming more and more true that people are learning less and less about the Word of God. One of the things, one of the reasons it's so important for your children <coughs> to be in Sunday school and Wednesday night is because we make sure that they get that biblical foundation that that Bible knowledge that they desperately need to know God's Word and get it in their hearts when they're young so that it will not abandon them you know there's gonna come a time in their life when they're gonna be facing problems and difficulties and situations that only God can deliver them from and if they haven't been had input of the Word of God into them this Holy Spirit is gonna try to help them but he he won't have anything to draw on because they don't have that knowledge of the Word of God in their hearts and their lives that that he would usually use so that's why it's so important for you to have your kids in junior church in Sunday school and that kind of thing. Every opportunity that you can have. I was so encouraged during our time of prayer to see young people showing up and, and for, our, for our week of prayer. We had young people here that were praying with their families. Families praying together. That was so encouraging to me to see that. And it's something that I hope will continue. But we believe the Word of God is divinely inspired. It's holy. It's His message to us. But Lifeway Research found some interesting statistics. Here's what they found they found that only 45% of those who regularly attend church, not people who call themselves Christians, but these are regular church attenders, read the Bible more than once a week. 45% read the Bible more than once a week. And reading their Bibles occasionally, maybe once or twice a month at all, uh, and uh, and 18% attenders said they never read the Bible. Now, this is people that attend church. They come, they show up on Sunday morning, and they're not reading their Bibles. It's not as if we don't have access. The average American has three Bibles in their home. Not, now, that's not Christians. Those are just average Americans have three Bibles in their home. Some have many more than that. So it's not as though we don't have access to it. Uh, even those who don't have one, you can get it free on, to download onto your little devices. There's... Uh, uh, Uverse, Y-O-U-verse is a free Bible application that's excellent. It has Bible reading plans in it and all that kind of stuff that you can download for free and it's an excellent app that you can have on your Bible or your cell phone so that you're never without the Word of God in your life. But uh, the result of that, of that not knowing God's Word is a spiritual decline in health of people across the country. Uh, how do you grow spiritually? That's what we're going to talk about this morning how do you grow spiritually does it just happen do you just hope that it that it that you catch it you show up on church on sunday by the way the average church attender i think we're a little higher here but the average church attender shows up once a month to church that's how often the average church attender shows up at churches once a month now that's across the board all across all churches but but church attendance is going down also and so how do you grow spiritually? Does it just happen? No. We know that there are certain things we have to do to grow physically strong and healthy. You gotta eat right, you gotta exercise, you gotta you, know, you, gotta, you gotta think on good things, you gotta have good thought life. All of that kind of stuff is important to become uh, healthy physically. Spiritual growth is important because our natural tendency is not to get better it's to get worse. Our natural tendency left to our own devices makes us worse than we are right now. We, we tend to be selfish. We tend to think of ourselves more than others. We tend to do all of these things that the Bible tells us not to do. It says in Romans 7:18, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. What Paul is saying here is that aside from the Holy Spirit, aside from God in our life, we cannot even be as good as we want to be. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, deep down, we're not satisfied with where we are in Jesus Christ. I hope that there's a holy H-O-L-Y, a holy dissatisfaction with where you are right now in Jesus Christ. I hope that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to grow deeper and deeper with Him. But left to our own devices, we don't tend to get better and better. We tend to get worse and worse. Man wants to be good, but the harder he tries, the more he is aware of how bad he really is. That's because goodness is more than just doing good things. Goodness is more than just doing good things. The intention of the law, the thou shalt nots of the Bible, You know the law that says thou shalt not do this and that are all designed to show us how often we cross God's will. That's the real purpose of the law was to show us just how sinful we really are. Every time we lie, every time we cheat, every time we steal, every time we bear false witness against our neighbor, every time we talk bad about somebody, every time we do that, we're violating God's law and we're sinning. And the law is designed to show us just how often we sin and that without God's help, without Jesus Christ, we could never be what God wants us to be. Paul says in Romans 7, 7, he says, Well, then am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known what coveting was wrong if the law had said, You shall not covet so the law is designed to give us that that knowledge of who we are in Jesus Christ and we need to understand that spiritual growth is always a joint effort between God and ourselves it's a joint effort between God and ourselves God does what he does we do what we do and together we spiritually grow it says in in Philippians 2 12 through 13 and this is the verse we're going to be working off of this morning It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but more in my absence, listen to this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You can see that there's two actors in that phrase. There's God and there's you. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He talks about working out your own salvation. Now, he doesn't mean that you should approach your salvation with a sense of anxiety, not knowing whether it's gonna, you're going to be good enough for God. Instead, Paul uses this phrase to, re, to, to refer to a humble attitude of dependence on God. You're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it's all done with God's help and God's power and God's will in your life. It says, but it, for it is God who works in you, to do His will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. <clears throat> there are some things we can't control, like the weather. We could wish it away all we want, but it's still snowing outside. We could wish that we were in Florida, but it's still cold and you're in Michigan. You know, there's things like, there's things, some things we can control, though, that we have, uh, that we have a role in, like driving a car, running an errand, or making phone calls. All of that kind of stuff. But there's a third category of, of things that we need God's cooperation with, like sleep. You know, sleep is something that, that we have to make the conditions right in order to sleep. You have to turn out the lights. You have to, you have to uh, you know, calm your mind. You have to do all these things to get to sleep. And then God gives the sleep to you. How many know God gives sleep? Amen. God said He gives good rest to His children. And if you're not sleeping well, it might be a spiritual condition that you're facing even. And you should probably pray about that and look into that. But it says that, that uh, God gives the sleep, and so you do your part. You do your part for what you need to have happen, and God does His part, and together you grow. That's the way it is with spiritual growth. You do your part. You do your part in spiritual growth. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But God gives you the power to do that, and He gives you the strength to do that, and He gives you the results of that. Because spiritual growth is an expected normal part of life. You are expected to grow spiritually. And it doesn't just happen. It's not something passive that you just kind of sit back and wait for it to happen to you. And God does it when he wants to do it. And God doesn't do it when he doesn't want to do it. It's expected on your behalf to do that. Everybody is in a process of growth. Listen to Romans 12 <clears throat> It says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a suggestion here that if you aren't being transformed by God's power, you are being transformed by the world's power that's around you. You're always being influenced, especially if you watch TV. Anybody here watch TV? Anybody? Anybody? A few of you? Okay especially if you watch TV, there's influence that goes on. First of all there are the advertisements that's trying to influence you to think that you will not have friends unless you use their mouthwash. You know, you just can't get along without their hair coloring product which I tried to use but I didn't need to. It just stayed the same color anyway when it's that short and so less of it. But, you know, the, the advertising is designed to influence you and to get you to do what they want you to do. But even beyond that, the values and the mores and the thoughts that go into the shows that we're watching have influence on us. They influence our lives and they influence our thinking, don't they? So the question is, if you're being transformed, it's by who are you being transformed? are you being transformed by God and His Word or are you being transformed by the world around you and by their thoughts and by their things that they want you to learn and do we live in a world that actively tries to deform us spiritually don't ever forget that we live in a world that is actively trying to deform us spiritually they are actually not just debating with God's Word they are against God's Word and they want us to live their way and not our way not God's way and so it's by whom you're being influenced that the question is we live in a world that is actively deforming us spiritually so if you aren't being by transformed by God's power then you're being transformed by the world's power 1 Thessalonians 4 3 it is God's will that you should be sanctified Sanctified means holiness. Holiness means spiritual growth. Holiness can only take place when spiritual growth is taking place in our lives. And so God's will, it is God's will that we be sanctified, that we be holy, that we be spiritually growing. It, you might want to ask the question, well, God wants me to grow, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He wants you to grow because it's his will for your life that he wants you to grow. Uh, it says in Hebrews 12:4, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make every effort to live in peace and to be holy. There are specific things that you have to do in order to live in peace with other people. Many times we have to put down our own feelings and our own desires and our own wants in order to live at peace with other people, don't we? We have a comeback. We have a, We have a retort. We have something that we want to say back to them. Sometimes it's best just to close the mouth live in peace and ask yourself the question number one am I gonna change their mind anyway and the answer is probably not especially the way that we retort and we reply to people we tend to do that in a demeaning way in a way that doesn't bring doesn't bring health and wholeness to them it brings demeaning to them and when we do that we're not we're not uh, we're not doing it in God's will Make every effort to do what God, to to be holy. Are you pursuing spiritual, spiritual growth with full resolve? Are you resolved that you're going to grow spiritually? For some of us, we've never even thought of it in that way. We've never thought in terms of spiritual growth, I am going to grow spiritually. I'm going to grow spiritually. People's excuses for pursuing sanctification and holiness without full devotion are things like, well, it's my pastor's fault. His word doesn't challenge me enough. Or if he only preached on this, then I would grow spiritually. There, I'm covering myself right now. Or as they say, my schedule is too busy, I don't have time. If my spouse were more spiritual, then I'd be more spiritual. You know, all those kind of excuses that we make for not growing spiritually really don't hold water in God's eyes. What excuses are you making in your life to not grow spiritually? Probably the biggest one is busyness. I'm too busy to grow spiritually. Now, we don't say it that way because that would be obviously wrong but we say things like I just don't have time to read the word today I don't have time to pray today I don't have the I don't have the opportunity to do the things that lead to spiritual growth and as long as we're making excuses we're not growing and we need to grow sanctification spiritual growth is normative it's not optional for the follower of Jesus Christ did you hear that spiritual growth is not optional for the follower of Jesus Christ it's to be something that we do regularly and to pursue with all of our hearts the second thing you need to remember about spiritual growth is that it happens it's a lifelong project Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 Verse 13, he said, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I do not yet consider that I have taken hold of Jesus Christ and all that he has for me. That's the context of what he's talking about. And he says, I don't have a hold of it yet. I haven't reached it. And this is Paul, the apostle. This is the guy. This is the man. He wrote most of the New Testament. He saw miracles in his life. He saw all of these great things that God did. And he says, I haven't reached that point yet that I need to be at. I haven't reached that point where I'm I'm growing in Christ sufficiently. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead... I lay hold of the high calling of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, "The second truth of, of uh, spiritual growth is that it's a process. It's not an event. It's a process. It's something that's going to continue on." How many of you have taken a trip with your kids? What do they say the minute you get out of the driveway? Are we? I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Never even considered that, but it's so true. What's the second thing that they say? (laughs) Are we there yet? Thank you for having mercy on me. (laughs) Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We live in an instant gratification society. And Paul is saying, I'm not there yet. I'm not arrived at the place that I need to be. I've been at this thing for years now, and I still haven't arrived at that place that I want to be. I said this just a few minutes ago, but I'm going to say it again now. I hope that you have a holy, H-O-L-Y, dissatisfaction with your spiritual state right now. I hope that you want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than you were today. I hope that you have a desire for spiritual growth. Paul was saying he hadn't arrived there yet. Spiritual growth is not a destination, it's a process. And in this life you will never arrive at the point where you can say I'm there I've made it I have finally done it destination reached I am done growing spiritually that will never happen you will continue to grow or you will decay anything that's not growing is decaying that's just a rule of life and if you're not growing spiritually today you're probably decaying because that's the way life goes that's the way spiritual life goes spiritual growth is not a destination it's a process and you will never arrive now you're going to have ups and downs you're going to have failures and failings and times when you go through dry spells i remember probably the 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 driest spiritual spell that i ever had in my life was when i was a sophomore in college i remember i felt like god was just so far away and i remember being up in the prayer chapel of our dorm one day and just literally getting kind of angry with God because I wasn't feeling His presence the way that I wanted to feel it and I wanted to know Him better and I, I kind of yelled at God a little bit. I said, how come you're not here? How come you're not doing that? And God in His graciousness and His mercy revealed Himself to me later on and I got through that dry time together. But there were times when I was down when I didn't have everything together. And what do you do with those times that you're down and the times that you're not feeling as though you're there? What do you do with the failures and the lulls and the pursuit of, 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 of spiritual life, spiritual growth? You will often fail. And how did Paul deal with that? Well, he says this, I forget what is behind me don't dwell in the land of the past don't dwell in the land of regret that can be deadly to your spiritual life what's done is done what's forgiven is forgiven what's over is over keep going forward look ahead don't look backward look ahead to what Jesus has for you I'm learning to say Holy Spirit will you help me overcome yesterday Will you help me to forget yesterday? We often think that forgetting something is a bad thing. We associate it with, with uh, forgetfulness, with, with disease and that kind of thing. But really, in this case, it's a positive thing. We can forget all of that. Do you know God forgets stuff? Wow, that kind of a shocker, isn't it? God forgets stuff. He says, I will remember your sins no more. God forgets our sins we need to learn to not live in the past also and to keep on going forward in the name of Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians 4 16 through 18 it says this this is why we never give up we never quit though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. What kind of troubles was he talking about? He was talking about getting stoned, not the the weed kind either. He was talking about people throwing stones at him until he died, until trying to kill him. He was talking about persecution in a very real sense. He was talking about being arrested. He was talking about being in jail. He was talking about these persecutions, and he says, these persecutions that we endure are, 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 um, are small and won't last very long. Paul had a positive outlook on life. Even when he didn't have a positive thing going on in his life, he had a positive outlook on life. Did you ever meet somebody like that? They're a blessing to be around, aren't they? Rather than Eeyore Christians, we won't get into that right now. So our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now, Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we, now, that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We need to remember that it's a lifelong process. The spiritual growth is a lifelong process. And those things that we see now are not going to be here forever. We're, we're shooting for eternity. We're shooting for, for uh, eternal life. I went to my pastor, Pastor Bug's funeral yesterday. And one of the things that they kept saying over and over again was he prepared his whole life for Tuesday morning. He passed away last Tuesday morning. He prepared his whole life for Tuesday morning. And I thought that's so apropos to a great man of God that, like Pastor Bug was, that he was preparing his entire life for his destiny, for his time in front of Jesus Christ, and he finished that. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God looked at him and said, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a great legacy that I have in my life from my pastor. So we need to remember that it's a lifelong, that it's a lifelong uh, uh, pursuit that we have. So let's talk about four things that we can do to grow spiritually. I want to talk about four practical tools that you need to put into practice to grow spiritually. Two of them are, duh, they're easy ones to remember. Two of them might be a surprise to you. But the first one is reading the Bible daily and you just started a new year and somehow that seems to have a magical effect on us we start new things at the new year and I hope that you started reading through the Bible I start reading through the Bible at the beginning of every year too and I've read through it several times and it's always a challenge for me but it's, it's always rewarding to me too I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years, 30 years, something like that and I still find fresh things in the Bible when I, when I look at it when I, if I ever stop seeing fresh things I know that my time is done and I'm on my way out but read the Bible daily Jesus said in John 8 31 and 32 you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free the truth is found in God's Word the truth is found in the Bible since the Bible is the most reliable source for truth we have to encourage ourselves to stay in God's Word to keep in God's Word on a daily basis it should become a habit with us You should set a time when you're going to read the Bible and let nothing interfere with it. I try to do that. Uh, One of the reasons that we do that is because the Bible has a way of reflecting not only God's glory in our lives. We look at it and we see what God is like and we understand what He is like. But did you ever think of it this way? The Bible also shows us what we are like. Sometimes you read the Bible and you look at it and you look at stories of people that are in it and you think, you know, that's just like I did yesterday or that's the way that I am. It's kind of like a baby. Did you, ever, did you ever see a baby hold them up to a mirror and they just don't get it? They kind of look and they see somebody that looks like them and they're moving and everything and they just don't get it. But did you ever see the light go on in a baby's eyes when they're holding it in front of a mirror and you know that they recognize that's me? Wow, that's me? That's what God's word can do in our lives too. You can be reading it and all of a sudden it will say, that's me, oh my goodness, that's me. So we need to, we need to uh, read God's word and, and uh, do that. Sorry, I got mi- mixed up here. Okay, there we go. I bumped my notes by mistake there. Secondly, we need to pray daily. These are the two duh ones. We need to pray daily. Read your Bible, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. How many of you remember that song? A few of you do. Okay. A few good Christian Reformed people remember that song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. In the 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, it says this, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and will seek my face. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. If my people will pray and seek my face. Prayer matters because it changes us if you want to see change take place in your relationships begin praying for people that you have relationships with it probably won't change them but it will certainly change you it will change the way that you see them it will change the way that you it's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for it's just hard to do that your your spirit naturally wants to get revenge and that kind of stuff but Jesus the Holy Spirit comes into us and he says you know what I love them and you're, you're just "No, oh, God, I don't want you to love them. I want you to be mad at them like I'm mad at them. Don't you know what they did to me, Jesus? But God changes our heart and our minds when we pray for those that know us. J. Oswald Chambers, who wrote I, my utmost for his highest, wrote this. Every time we pray, our horizon is altered. Our attitude to things is altered. Not sometimes, but every time. And the amazing thing is that we don't pray more. The amazing thing is that we don't pray more. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. If you want to hear more about prayer, go back three Sundays, I think it was, to sometime in early January on the podcast and listen to my sermon on prayer. We can, you can get it that way, okay? But we need to pray. Now, here's the two that maybe you never thought about. But secondly, the third habit that we have to generate in order to, in order to grow spiritually is to practice generosity. Practice generosity. Practice generosity. If God isn't the Lord of our possessions, He isn't the Lord of us at all. Too many people sitting in churches are possessed by their possessions. You're possessed by your possessions. If you are, you're not growing spiritually. You're depending upon yourself and your own needs and your own ability to meet your needs. Uh, It says in in Proverbs 11.25, it says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It takes generosity to have God be generous with you. It takes generosity for God to be generous with you. And uh, one of the hallmarks of the early church was their generosity. In Acts 4:32, it says, "Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul." And no one had said that anything of the group belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. The early church was so in love with Jesus and so in love with each other that they shared everything that they had. They didn't, they didn't consider anything their own. Now, the, 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 the point of that is not some form of, of socialism that's going on. The point of that is who owned their stuff. Who owns their stuff? Who owns your stuff? Do you own it or does Jesus own it? That's the real question that needs to be answered. Is that my dollar bill? Is that my wallet? Is that my bank account? Is that my car? Is that my house? Is that my whatever? Or does it belong to Jesus? That's the vital question that needs to be answered. Who owns your stuff? The early church had everything in common because they believed that they belonged to each other and they belonged to Jesus Christ. And then the fourth one is practice fellowship. The key to spiritual growth is to practice fellowship. We all need each other. We all need other believers in our lives to help us grow. Weekly worship services are just not enough. Pastor Mike's going to talk about this in a few weeks. He's going to talk about the need to be a family. But we need, more, we need each other more than we think we need each other. Significant relationships don't develop when people just attend corporate worship. They need opportunities to talk and engage in fellowship together. And that's something that I see going by the wayside today, is that we're not gathering together outside of church. We're not sharing meals with each other. We're not doing life together. And we need to practice that in order to grow spiritually because I need you to speak into my life and you need me to speak into your life. And we need to share our experiences with each other so that we know each other well and so that we understand each other. Many of us have had the experience of making a phone call to a call service center. And what's the first answer that you get? Hello, your call is very important to us. Please be advised that this call may be recorded for training purposes. Training purposes, right. And, the, and, then, and then it gives you the list of things. Press 1 to hear a list of directory, to hear directory list of people that are here. Press 2 to hear a list of the extensions. Press 3 to hear your latest specials. Press 4 to hear this recording again. And what's missing from that? people human beings a real live voice and many times that's all we want is to talk to somebody and I think that companies are catching on to this a little bit maybe just a little bit I'm getting a few more real people when I call companies now than I was before and I think I hope it's because they know that the longing inside all of us is not to talk to a recording it's to talk to a human being now prayer is important but God is God and you are not and we need each other we need to hear from each other we need to listen to each other we need to talk to each other the Bible says of Adam and Eve it was good it was not good for the man to be alone It wasn't just talking about his need for a wife. It was talking about his need for companionship, his need for other people in his life. It was not good for him to be alone. God knew that from the very beginning. God knew that we were not to be alone. And God created a helpmate so that he could have talks with her so that he could you know do more than just have a physical relationship that's probably way down on the list of important things that we have in our lives we needed to have fellowship with her you know one of the first signs that something is wrong spiritually in someone's life I'm gonna tell you a pastor secret okay but one of the first signs that something isn't quite right spiritually in somebody's life is when they begin to isolate themselves when they pull out of fellowship, when they don't go to the groups that they were going to before, when they're not talking with each other, when they're not sharing their life with each other, they just kind of pull in. That's the first sign that something's wrong. And if you see that in your life, if you feel that urge to pull away, I'd encourage you to dig a little deeper into your life and see what's going on and what's happening in your life that's causing you to want to withdraw from fellowship. That's something that, that many of us never really thought about. But isolation is a key indicator that something is wrong spiritually. It's one of the first signs that we have when something is wrong spiritually. You know, there's a book called First Things where uh, a guy tells a story about a, about a businessman who was doing real well, but he loved fresh vegetables. He just loved to go out into the garden and pick fresh vegetables, but he was so busy that he didn't have time to grow them himself. And so he, he hired a horticulture doctor to come and tell him how to set up this, this, uh, this garden. And he kept saying things like, I, I don't want to be hands-on on this thing. I want to have an automatic watering system so that I don't have to remember to water them. And I want to have a, a weed killer here so that I don't have to weed the garden. And I want to have this, and I want to have that so that I don't have to... I just want the vegetables. I just want what I want out of it. And she stopped and she said, Ma- uh, Ma'am, without the gardener, there is no garden without a gardener there is no garden and that's true in our lives too we need to tend the garden of our lives we need to make sure that we are the gardener of our lives it's a joint effort between God and you you do the things that need to be done to engender spiritual growth God responds to that and causes the growth to take place but it's a joint effort between you and God I hope that you grow spiritually I hope that you have a holy dissatisfaction with your life right now so that you want to grow spiritually and I hope that you take the steps that need to be taken in order to grow in Jesus Christ let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you this morning that you have called us to be growing Christians I thank you Lord that you have called us to have that hunger for you and Lord If there's anybody here this morning that is hungry for you and hungry for your spirit, God, I pray that you would anoint them, that you would bless them, that you would call them by name this morning, that you would give them what they need. And now that they have these steps, God, that they would enter into them gladly so that they can grow spiritually in your grace and in your goodness. But God, I also pray for those who don't have that hunger right now. I pray that you would give them that hunger. God, I pray that they would want to pursue you, that they would want to seek you out. And I pray that they would do that today. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence in this place this morning and that it would cause a holy dissatisfaction with their life, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.